Hey guys, it's Edge Martinez. They call me the voice of New York. And 50 years ago, hip hop started right here in New York City. And we're celebrating the five boroughs all year long. Check out nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop for cultural stories, events, interviews, and more. nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop. How's it going, everyone? Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. As always, so excited for you to listen to this week's episode with Jeff Schwartz, um, eight-year offensive guard in the NFL, played for numerous teams. I, I think most people know him today as an analyst, has his own podcast, uh, the Jeff Schwartz is Smarter Than You podcast. Um, he pops on the Sirius XM, an awesome follow on Twitter, and he didn't disappoint. Jeff shares a, a bunch of stories from his playing days toward the end, but really dug deep into Josh Allen's game. I know we have a lot of Bills fans that listen to this podcast. So just a fantastic breakdown on Josh Allen's game. Obviously, Jeff Schwartz's brother, Mitchell Schwartz, has played for the Chiefs for a number of years too. So he has an idea of what the Chiefs did to Josh Allen in that AFC Championship game. Also, Patrick Mahomes. He knows where Patrick Mahomes could still improve. And we got to talk a little Aaron Rodgers. I thought his uh, take on the Aaron Rodgers situation was uh, – original and interesting. So thank you so much for listening, everyone. And if you didn't catch it in your email inbox or on Twitter or wherever you follow everything we have going on at Go Long, uh, we have Eric Kramer on the Go Long Happy Hour Friday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. So for those that might have read our three-part series on Eric Kramer's life, just unreal. I mean, you can't even really put it into words. It's still hard for me to believe, but from the suicide attempt to his brain taking five years to wake up, to really being used and abused by an ex-girlfriend, by a archaic legal system, losing $700,000. He made it to the other side and and he's here to hang out with Go Long subscribers Friday night to talk all about it. So you can go to golongtd.com and subscribe seven a month, 70 a year to get access to those Zoom happy hours. Um, I don't think he'll be disappointed with, with Eric Kramer. He is one of a kind, um, as, as transparent and real as it gets through all the traumatic experiences that he had. So thank you so much for listening, everyone. Here is Jeff Schwartz. How's it going, everyone? This is Tyler Dunn here with Jim Monas for another episode of the Go Along Podcast. We are not at Hamburg Brewing. We're remote, drinking some Hamburgs. I got a little Lakeview Lager. What do you got there, Jim? Hoptimonium. Going with Hoptimonium, going with the strong stuff tonight. We got a major, we got a big time guest, so I got I to gotta make sure I feel good when we're talking about this. I feel like we, we should have been pre-gaming for this one, Jim. You know, we should be about five, six beers deep to be ready for for this week's uh, guest. So, you know, here he is right out of the shoot, the great Jeff Schwartz, uh, eight years in the NFL, right? Jeff Panthers, Vikings, yeah. chiefs, giants, lions. Um, and we all know you, you know, as an analyst today, I and mean, we love having the people who keep it real on this podcast. You know, there's a lot of, 
a lot of BS out there, a lot of just nonsense and cliches and regurgitated <laughs> talking points. I think that's kind of why I was just drawn to you in the Twitter sphere is uh, you don't go that route. You're very real and fresh and original. So thank you for being here. I'm glad to be here i'm glad to be on yeah i just don't care about making friends i have no friends like i don't really like i if, if i piss someone off so be i've had nfl gms call me and i, I just i'm like dude I, it's not personal man like it's just what it is like i like i just i, I call it like i see it and if things change and think about it too i think it's totally to, to fair to admit you're wrong about things like it's okay to admit you're wrong like, i was wrong about josh allen i was right for two years i was wrong last year but like it's okay to admit that you're wrong about stuff and like it doesn't change I think how you do your work. I, I I thought Josh Allen was going to be Jake Locker. And for two years, he was. And then the third year, he wasn't. And I'm like, oops, well, I got that one wrong. I don't know. Like, it's okay to be wrong. It happens. Whatever. I mean, that's a quarterback we've talked about quite a bit on here. It's, it is remarkable. He was dead last in completion percentage in back-to-back years. It was it was ugly. So what did you have? Uh, we've got a lot of Bills listeners here. Were they Were they coming after you there for a bit? All, all every team comes after me. They're all, they're all teams are the same. I'll tell you what, the worst fans are the Titans fans. I just don't, they're just something else. Bill's fans came after me. Most of them, you know, still kind of get after me, whatnot. Um, look, Josh Allen's improvement. And this is the thing that, that is so interesting. If you were a fan of him from the draft pick, and after the first two years, you still thought that he was going to become this player, you got lucky. Like, th- th- like, like, my thoughts about him were the ones that were historically accurate, right? Which is that we've never seen a guy make this big of a jump between year two, year two and, and three. We, football outsiders, Aaron Schatz talks about it all the time. I think like Alex Smith is the only player in the last 25, 30 years to start their first two seasons, basically under, under value. And then all of a sudden become and in Josh Allen's last season was better than anything Alex Smith has ever had. And so, like, yeah, I was wrong on it, but you were probably also wrong thinking that he was going to do this too. Like, right? It's a, it's an incredible accomplishment for him. I've talked to Jordan Palmer about what he did with uh, with his mechanics and his mindset, and what the Bills I think did building the offense around him. And Dable's done a great job of. I think this is the new thing in the NFL has been very helpful for a lot of these young quarterbacks. I think that's why they come in and succeed right away. These OCs they tailor their offense now to the quarterback. It used to not be that way. You, you ran what, what you always ran and you just hoped your quarterback could do it. But now, you know, we look at what the bills do and what the chiefs have done, what the Browns are doing and what, and what, you know, the, every of these successful teams, they tailor their offense to their quarterback and, and the OCs are okay with stepping back a little bit and doing things that they're uncomfortable with because they know, especially in, in Josh Allen's case, that it's best for Josh Allen. And I credit really everyone involved, you know, Josh, obviously, and, and uh, Jordan Palmer and what the Bills coaching staff did and the acquisitions they made to build that roster up and get them in, the, in, in, in that. And the question becomes, obviously, can he do this this next season at this pace? You know, Jeff, I was telling Tyler, we, we talk on the podcast and I agree with you. You know, the whole NFL is spending a lot of time trying to stop the Bills offense. Like, you know how every yeah. team breaks down. Who's the hot team right now? Who's who's the team that crept up on us that? Josh is going to get challenged this year. I mean, I'm not saying he can't do it, but to to replicate that year again, it's not going to be easy. That was an incredible yeah. season he just had, and I agree with you totally. If you thought he was going to have this year in year three, you were you were guessing. I mean, you were hoping you were right, saying he was going to be great coming out of the draft, but nothing showed that those first two years other than, you know, you saw some highlight big arm throws, but you didn't see anything that said, 
down in, down out, this is going to be the guy. And he totally, he, he still has work to do too, just like everybody. But I think this year is going to be challenging. I think they're going to have a lot of teams really trying to stop them. And he hasn't had that before. Yeah. What's, what's interesting is, is the blueprint is out there for what the Chiefs did. They did something very specific. And I, I, know, and I know if every team could do this, they blitzed his throwing hand every, almost every single play. They came from his right. And the first matchup, I think, was something like, like 30 of 35. It was some insane number of pressures. And because, you know, the interesting part was the first matchup, the Bills didn't pressure Pat Mahomes at all, right? And the second matchup, the Chiefs did it again now. He had Devin Singletary, and Devin Singletary dropped that ball early in the Chiefs yeah. game. That, that might change the game. Zero pressure. The Chiefs didn't, didn't cover the running back. He dropped the ball, right? But all game, they just hammered his throw side, hammered his throw side, hammered his throw side. But the Chiefs' secondary was good last season, right? So can every team duplicate that? Can every team try to do that? And obviously the Bills hopefully have some answers, want some screens to that side, some rollouts, think there's ways to, to deal with it. But that's the blueprint now, right, is you just blitz his throw hand. That, that's such a great point. And sorry, Jeff, I didn't even mention your podcast. Uh, the Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you podcast. Correct. That's what everybody has. Yes, to subscribe yes, to. please. Yes, absolutely. So if you want these fresh takes, that's where you got to go for them all the time. Uh, so what, so let's just stay on Josh Allen for a minute. I mean, we saw this, you know, Carson Wentz took the league by storm. He was gonna be the MVP before his ACL D Derek Carr, same deal right before he broke his leg, yeah. he would have been the MVP. The, I don't know. I mean, flash in the pan is a little strong, but they haven't been the same quarterback since. Is there any fear that teams defenses might've figured Josh Allen out that, you know, he was playing in empty stadiums that now they have a full off season or studying them, break them down, maybe incorporate what you just broke down. Like eh, wh wh where does this go from here with Josh Allen and the bills offense? That was just a juggernaut in 2020. I mean, I think it continues to, to improve, but I don't know if Josh Allen's going to have the same season. Right. I mean, I think it's, it's probably fair to expect maybe some regression to the mean, but not enough to where he's completing 58% of passes again, right? Like, I think it's probably somewhere in the mid-60s. Um, and, you know, again, teams, like you mentioned, they're going to study him off. He's going to have a plan. You know, Belichick's getting – he has defenders back on defense now. He should be better on defense. The Dolphins are good on defense. The Jets, who knows what's happening. So, look, the, the division is going to be a little tougher on defense, in my opinion. Uh, you have a first-place schedule, right? That obviously changes – uh, a lot of things compared to where you, you know, the, where the previous year. Uh, but I don't think he goes back to being that 58% quarterback. Is he up where he was this past year? Probably not. And the concern I think too, is, is with all these guys that kind of run a little bit, right. Is that the injury? So we saw him take some hits last season that were less than ideal. You know, he doesn't, he's not really good at avoiding contact quite yet. When he runs, he's still kind of like that bull in China shop. And that's one thing he needs to work on. It's just, okay, I got my yards. Just get down. Look, I was, and I still don't really like like the kind of quote unquote running quarterbacks, the guys who run a lot. But man, I give look, Lamar Jackson takes no hits. He's the best at it, right? He runs and just gets down. I feel like he's a great example for these quarterbacks that want to run the ball very often. Josh Allen's got to watch them and like just stop taking the hits. Like try when you can to stop taking the hits because I think that's the one thing that, that, that could derail him. Those add up, man. Those hits add up. He's a quarterback. He's not built. He's not working on staying healthy for running over linebackers. That's like not, so I think that, that that's where he's got to maybe cut that down a little bit this year. He does that in the pocket too, Jeff, where he, he fights and he doesn't go down easy, but it leads to maybe an awkward landing or the ball gets loose. Like he's not natural running the football. He's big and fast, you know, but he's not natural carrying the football, holding on to it. And you can see that when he, like the way he does take hits and fumbles the ball. So, 
you know, he still needs to clean that up. I agree with you. And you're right. Lamar's like Shady McCoy. You know, there's certain people who always say, Shady McCoy never took hits. I mean, he That's never so took hits. <laughs> I don't know how he did it. He did it in high school. He did it That's in college. Incredible. incredible. But to your point, there's certain guys that just don't get hit. Like Cam Newton, you know, when you're that big, sometimes it just adds up. I mean, it just, you know, it, it takes a bowl on you. Cam um, is, real quick, Cam is like, you walk by him and you're like, how are you a look, quarterback? It doesn't look right. It doesn't no. look right. I'm like, how are you a quarterback? I, I, you know, I played with him in 2011, obviously. Yeah. And I, yeah. I was injured that year, but then I saw him again. Um, I've seen him at camp. I went down to camp and then the Chiefs played the Panthers a couple of years ago. And he was on the field. He came and said hi beforehand. I mean, it's like, I'm 6'6", six, six, you know, 340. He's like looking me in the eye. I mean, that's huge. It's unbelievable. <laughs> in a good way. Not, not a bad. I mean, there's no one built like him. Like there's, there's no quarterback that's ever no. going to be built like him again, I think. I mean, the Bills got to think about this all right now because, I mean, do you give Josh Allen that blank check or not? When, when do you pull the trigger on that contract? When all, it, People might think we're nitpicking here, but there's a reason you, you got to think about this all because if you're going to hand a guy, what, four years at, God, pick your price it's per year. Pick it. Whew, 40, 45, 50. Here's, here's the dilemma that I think a lot of teams are going to get into. And I'm not sure this is really – Josh Allen and the Bills dilemma, but more like Cleveland and Baker Mayfield is I think Josh physically is good enough to win a Super Bowl. Like this is physical traits, right? If you look at who's winning Super Bowls outside of, of old man Brady, they're kind of the, the big trait guys, especially the ones that are at success year in, year out. Um, and he fits that profile. Like Baker Mayfield doesn't, he, he really doesn't. And is is very schemed up offense and the Browns are going to be good this year. They, I think they're the most talented team in all the NFL. Um, but you know, Mahomes is kind of raises the Chiefs you know, that, to that extra level. Uh, you know, Allen, I think this can be who he is, sort of. Baker, I worry about, right? Like, I, I think that if you're the Browns and Baker, you try to get a deal done now. But the, the, the issue with all of this is that you're, you become stuck, right? Like, if, you are, if you're the Bills, let's say Josh Allen completes 62% of passes next season – He's his efficiency numbers are somewhere between 10 and 15 in the NFL, you know, just, you know, but you make the playoffs and, and you, whatever. I mean, right, they're going to pay him, right? Like they don't have a choice. They have to pay him you know, because they're not bad enough to draft a quarterback. They, they don't want to rebuild again. And the Browns will be the same way. I mean, the Rams with golf for like this, they really want to pay golf deep down. They really want to pay him. Probably not, but they're kind of stuck. They kind of had to pay him. Carson Wentz, right? Like yeah, they, did they really want to pay him? Probably not, but they were stuck in paying them. And this is, I think, what you're running into because that position is so valuable in all sports that if you have a guy to rebuild, it's it's so hard to do, especially with a, a younger quarterback like that. I totally agree. I mean, they're going to pay him. And you're you're still right, Jeff, about getting handcuffed to a guy. And, and that's why I give the Rams credit. You know, that's not easy. I mean, they went out there, golf got into the Super Bowl, they paid him. But you know what? They weren't too prideful. They said, hey, we need to get better at that position. He's Easy, Jim. Easy. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Tyler. But <laughs> McVeigh basically said he's holding us back. Like, for us to win a Super Bowl, I need a different quarterback. And that's not – I give them credit. Like, they went all in. They have I've, – I've been saying the Rams have this year or next year, they better get to the Super Bowl or else they, they're out. I mean, you, you go all in on that on Stafford you have two years now to get this done. You, you've mortgaged the future for these two years. 
yeah, I mean, that's, it's, and that's where we're kind of at with a lot of these, you know, these teams, like the window is much smaller than we think. Look, look at the Chiefs. Look, I obviously I'm a big Chiefs fan. Um, we saw last year injuries, right? Knocked them down. You know, this year, kind of the window is one or two years with this current team. And then Kelsey mm-hmm. gets older and Hill gets older and, yep. and Frank Clark, get, uh, excuse me. Uh, um, yeah, Frank Clark gets older. Mm-hmm. Chris Jones gets older. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, they, they really haven't, they don't really have that wide receiver in the pipeline quite yet to fill that that role. Obviously, they drafted the, the, the tight end this year. They hope that it becomes next Kelsey. Mm-hmm. But, like, the windows are so short in the NFL. The Patriots have made it so unfair for everybody to think you could be good for 20 years. It, it doesn't happen like that. So that's why I get the Rams going all in. Like, let's just do it, man. We have this kind of roster in place here. Whitworth just hinted on Chris Long's podcast, probably his last season, right? So, like, you know, you're trying to get these guys in – before they retire, before they get older. So I get why they went in with Stafford. I think the thing with Stafford, more than anything else, is McVay is tired of doing everything on offense. Like, he just wants to call a play and let Stafford figure out the rest. Like, Stafford, you figure out the rest. I'm not telling you what to do anymore at quarterback. Stafford, here's the play. You make the changes. You figure it out. I'm done wasting my time doing that. I always thought when I was with the Saints – for eight years, I always thought that was the most amazing thing about what Breeze, Coach Payton, Pete Carmichael, the OC. I mean, Breeze could run those meetings. I mean, Breeze could run installs. He could do all that. I mean, that's what you want to get to, like you're saying, Jeff, where you don't, as the coach, hey, I'm calling the play, but you got to, you know, you, you take control of it. You, you, you get us out of it if it's bad or you get us into it. And though the great ones do that. And, and it takes time. It does. But you're right. Stafford will do that. Breeze did it, and that's what you need at the position. Mahomes, Mahomes probably will get there too. You I mean, he know, does. He, he does a lot of that in the offense. I mean, the way the offense is yep. set up, that they allow him to do that, especially with with two plays. But I think McVeigh had to like babysit golf. Like, I don't think the physical. I don't think the difference in that team this year will be the physical between golf and Stafford. Right? Golf can make the throws. It's just the mental part of it where he just didn't want to, to babysit the quarterback anymore. Totally agree. Boy, Olin Krutz, when he was on um, one of our happy hours, uh, he, he described it as like those quarterbacks that live in the vortex, like at the line of scrimmage. They just see a different game and can react yeah. on a different level than everybody else. And, you know, he played with Jay Cutler, and he said, well, Cutler didn't live in that vortex, basically. Like, he, some guys can do it, some guys can't. <laughs> and if you, you'd rather have the guy that can do that. I get it. You know, it's – it, it Did you just, play with any quarterbacks like that, Jeff? I mean, you, you played I mean, with a bunch. E, I, mean, e, I mean, Eli, like, we, we, we were never wrong on one on a pressure ever. Like, it was it was pretty incredible. We were wrong one time. He was wrong once. It was actually, we were playing the Bills in 15. I remember he thought something was coming one direction, came the other direction. Like, that was it all, all season long. Never wrong. And there were times when I'd be in my stance. And I, and, I, and I know what's happened, right? I studied defenses, and I'd be in my stance like, oh, shit, you're, you're coming over here. I know. And Eli's like, nope. They're over here. Go this way. I'm like, uh, I'm gonna do it, of course. But like, ah, and then here they come. Well, will free safety. Like, he just he knew what he was doing. And when you have someone like that behind you, obviously your offense works better. But you should have a bunch of confidence that you're gonna get, you know, get get things right. And defenses, man, they get so angry when you when you when you when you nail a protection <laughs> when, when they think you you know that that they've got you. Um, and it's deflating for a defense to 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 think they have. You end up getting um, a first down. It's incredible. Hey, r- real quick though, like that 2015 Bills Giants game. So Jim was 
the the director personnel mm-hmm. with the Bills. I was Bills. covering the team at the Buffalo News, and I can mm-hmm. remember the the Monday after that game talking to Bills players in the locker room, and they were just I mean that was chippy. I remember Stephon Gilmore was like, "Yeah, Odell, he's a prima donna." I don't know what his problem is. He's like a little kid out there. I mean, you're right in the middle of all that. There were just penalties all over the place, chippiness. Did you remember that game, what it was like, Jeff? Um, I just remember that, that Kyle Williams said afterward, he liked the way I played. I was like so honored. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle, Kyle said something nice about me. Like, that, that dude, no. I remember I kind of pulled my groin a little bit. Um, and, uh, and and that was about it. I just remember that it was like, it was like 24, 10, 24, 17. Yep. That was the year our defense was atrocious too. We actually got stops that game. I couldn't believe it. Um, but yeah, we won that game. I was feeling good about our season. It was my first time ever playing in Buffalo too. I didn't play in Buffalo. Um, and um, it was, uh, I don't know, it was just a, a game we played. I, I remember I got hit with a spin move that was like the worst of all time. Who was the, um, the other D tackle? It wasn't, uh, it wasn't Williams. Who was the big other one? Um, Marcel. Yeah, Marcel. He hit me with like the sloppiest spin move ever. Um, it was, uh, it wasn't very good. No, if you're not Dwight Freeney, it, it, it's probably, he just like spun in place. I was just like, <laughs> I was like, all right. It's like, thank you. Just spin in place. Um, no, but just Kyle Williams, man. It's so underrated for so many years. Like he was, uh, he, he was, oh, he's a, a, a beast. Just his get off and his, his hand placement and his tenacity. Um, I think if he played in, in somewhere else, probably more well-known. Like, what is your most memorable battle in, in the trenches? Did, did you have a, a rivalry, you know, in the, in the middle there that you'd get after it with somebody or, or one specific incident that you kind of still talk about when you're at the bar with your buddies? I mean, I, I moved around so much that not necessarily. Yeah. I mean, there were guys like, like I knew, like Corey Redding gave me a lot of problems. Like I couldn't block that guy to save my life. And it wasn't like anything. I mean, he just did this push-pull move, dude. Like he just got, he got me. We played him. Twice in 2013, I, I couldn't, I couldn't stop it. Like he, he had my number. Um, there were other guys I played that, like, I played really well against Darnell Dockett a couple times. That is supposed to be like, you know, I, I played good against all the big dudes. Like, like Indomitian and Sue, man, fought great. Just run into me, please. Like when I remember, I do remember this though. In 2012, I was on the Vikings. I was, I was in the lineup that year. I didn't play it terribly, terribly much. I was hurt a little bit. We're playing the Packers in Green Bay. It probably was Mike Daniels early in his career. And it was the first time they took like a three technique and moved him to like four eye on third down. I was like, Oh God, this is not. I was like, this is not the reason I moved in the guard was I didn't want to be in space anymore. I wanted to, like, wanted to be inside. Like I had no problem with big details. I was great. Run into me, please. And now it's like they're lining up off your body and inside and they're, they're coming from distance and depth. And just the game, you know, I, you know, of course I adjusted as things went along, but like that just was the first time I was like, oh boy, it's just the NFL is different now. Um, yeah, I don't really have, I've thought about this. People ask me like, what's your most memorable NFL moment? I, I mean, the Odell catch game, like that was pretty cool. It was my first game I played that year off injury. Um, we didn't, I didn't do a lot of winning. I lost all three of my playoff games. Uh, famously, I was, you know, in Kansas City when we lost, uh, we blew a 28 point lead. Um, and um, it was, uh yeah, it, 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 I just wish I had more memorable moments of like winning. Eh, that's you know, all right, funny, though. Uh, Kyle Williams used to always, Kyle Williams used to always talk to me about Mike Daniels. Um, 
as a guy that he loved watching, you know, play D tackle. Kyle loved him. That's funny. You just, we just brought those names up. And Kyle used to say, Hey, what do you think of Mike Daniels? And I was like, What's not to like about him? You know, he was like, I think that guy, yeah. His get off was fantastic. That's what, that's exactly what Kyle used to say. Yeah. When I was at the Journal Sentinel in Milwaukee, uh, I remember doing a story just following him through one of his workouts in the off season. It, it was insane. I mean, like boxing and MMA stuff. And I mean, he's just he, in it when he was in his prime man. he was just like a bowling ball that just did not stop. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it, like these guys have, it's just changed, right? Like they've gotten the, the same power as maybe they used to be, but they're just like in smaller packages now. Like Aaron Donald, it's just like, it's, it's, yeah. It's not fair. Like I'm too big to like. I never played against Aaron Donald. Thank God, I'm too damn big to play against him. He would have jacked my ass up every single play. Now I would have tried to get on him fairly quickly and like got my hands on him now, and maybe that would have helped me. But if I had missed by that split second, he just I'm six seven man. He's under my pads, just walking back to the quarterback. I love the side by side when you look at like a picture of Gilbert Brown and then Aaron Donald with his shirt off, like the evolution of the defensive tackle. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's crazy, right? Man. Hey, I got to get your take on this, Jeff. I know, I know you're on it. You've been talking about it, tweeting about it. What the hell's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers in green Bay? What do you think? You're asking me when you're the one who knows all this stuff. Um, (laughs) You're asking me, I have, I have, you have a thousand sources. I have zero sources. I never Um, played in the NFL though. So you know how these guys uh, operate. I'll tell you what, he's not going to opt out July 2nd for COVID. I'll tell you that. That's not happening. I know that was a, a rumor floated around. And there's no way he just – he loves the attention. There's no way he just opts out. We don't hear from him ever again for the whole season. Um, <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. I look, I, I think the Packers um, have no incentive to move him. I really don't. Um, they'll have his rights. They, his his salary is already budgeted in to the roster this season. Um, they could find them. Obviously, I don't think they, I don't think they want to find them. Most teams don't want to find players. Um, even on the CBA this year, in the new CBA, you have to find them. You can't not find them now. Now you can you can do the excuse of like, hey, excuse absences. But in the old CBA, you didn't, you could just excuse like Aaron Donald would sit out every every camp, right? They'd find him, find him, find him. He'd come back and they'd excuse all the fines. New CBA, you can't do that anymore. You have to find the guy. So I'm, they don't want to find him. They just want him to come back. And I, I just, are you telling me that he dude's just not going to play again ever? Like it just, I, I look, I look, I talked to J- Jordan Palmer about this again, a couple months ago at the draft. He's like, you know, I talked to him about it because I was working with him, but also his brother famously held out. Right. But that was the Bengals. Like it's just the Packers. Like the team is good. Um, I, I don't know, man. The, the way you get him back is you give him more guaranteed money, but then you're not playing Jordan love for two more years and the Packers to waste a draft pick. Right. So uh, but I just don't think there's incentive to move them. I really don't think they have, they have to move them. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers looks like the quote-unquote loser, according to, I mean, Packers fans would be pretty pissed if they played without him this year. I don't think they're on his side in this in this situation. Um, and he's probably not getting a jeopardy job, I don't think. This is not, he's just going to disappear all season. I, I just, I can't believe it, man. I think, he, I think he's there week one to play. Man, I don't know, Jeff. Like, he's a weird dude that beats to his own drum. I, I know you disagree. I, I know people disagree. Like, I know. I, if I'm Green Bay, I'd want to get something for him. Like, his his stock is never going to be higher. If he's genuinely dug in and 
But getting something so- now, like what are you going to get now from Denver that's going to help you this season? Are are they giving you Jerry Judy? What I mean, yeah, I think they will. I think they give give him whatever they want. For it Aaron would be Rogers. pretty funny if 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 for years they didn't address the wide receiver position, then trade for Jerry Judy <laughs> for Jordan Love. Um, but, but look, okay, if you're the Broncos, at what point you're always going to want Aaron Rodgers? I get that, but at what point are you like we're already prepared for the season, like? We already have our dudes. We have our offense in. We have Jerry Judy in. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden, it's like, well, here's Rodgers minus Jerry Judy, maybe minus someone else, and three of our draft picks are gone, and we're in that tough division. I don't know. I mean, they would do it, of course. Of course they would. If they were to call them and they'd get it done. But at some point, I think Denver's probably not very interested as the season gets closer. That's a good point. I, at the end of the day, though, it's Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, Aaron Rodgers, and – I just feel like they would do whatever. I don't I could be wrong. I feel like Green Bay can still just ask for whatever they want, even at this point of the ball game, because it's the, it's the MVP of the league, right? It's the MVP. Look, I think the Packers, they should have drafted Love, especially trading up for Love. Maybe they should have drafted him, but told Aaron Rodgers, whatever you want to say, how they, the process oh, well, worked. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't think they should have drafted him. But if they did, they should have told him anyways. Um, but they were right. They were on the right path of, hey, older quarterback, we've seen these guys decline, right? Again, Tom Brady's the outlier. He's not the norm. Drew Brees, right? Big Ben's on that decline now. Eli was on that decline. Phillip Rivers played okay last year. But, you know, a lot of these older guys, man, just starts to decline at that age. And I think the Packers thought wisely, okay, 2019, he was okay, but maybe there's a little bit of physical decline. We're going to prepare for the future. And then Rodgers came out and won the MVP and and the Packers look stupid. Um, So I don't, I don't mind the process. I think they should have informed Rodgers of what they were thinking as far as drafting a quarterback and they should have traded up for Jordan Love. Um, But I just think that he's not going to sit out all season. Maybe he is, but I don't know. At one point too, do the, do, do everyone just stop talking about him as the season goes on? I know I'm not going to spend much time, worrying about where Aaron Rodgers is week five, unless the Packers are 0-5, and, and that's a, a discussion. But then again, if they're 0-5, how much are we talking about them? I mean, could it be a conspiracy? Like, there's nothing happening in the NFL this offseason other than that, I think. And it's you, – you turn on ESPN and they're talking about this every day. They're not really breaking down like when it was really, you know – it. it at its peak a couple weeks ago, they're not talking about the playoffs and the NBA or the NHL or anything. It's, it's Aaron Rodgers all the time. Like, it, I don't know. There's, I'll put my tinfoil hat on here and there and just say maybe maybe everybody's kind of in on it. So you think Rodgers is doing this? You think Rodgers is doing this to to just ha- give ESPN content? <laughs> well, what I think is like Aaron, Aaron, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers likes – Aaron Rodgers wanted the Packers to be just dragged through the mud and publicly humiliated and embarrassed. And I think he probably expected everybody to be like, Oh my God, how can you let Aaron Rodgers get away? Like how shame on you. And there's, there's a lot of that. Uh, I don't know. It'd be great if he talked, but aren't the fans in, in, uh, in green Bay though, on the team side for the most part. I think so. I mean, I because Brett Favre wanted back in. Aaron Rodgers wants out, and they're smart enough to make that differentiation. I think. So you're right. I, I and I, I think Rodgers maybe miscalculated that a little bit, and that's why you see some of the former teammates coming forward to, you know, inject a little hope into the equation. 
like you have kind of like a working class environment up in Green Bay. And I, and I can't imagine fans are like, yeah, you know what? That starting quarterback, they didn't tell him they were drafting a, 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 his replacement. Like, I don't, I don't feel sorry for him for that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't think that there's a lot of sympathy in Green Bay for Rogers basically saying like, they're, Oh, they were mean to me. They, they didn't, I, I don't like the ownership. Like I, you know, whatever there's an ownership, but whatever, you know, like I, they're, they say mean things to me. Like I, do people in Green Bay care about that. They don't care about that. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. What about as a player though, Jeff, like if you're in that locker room, training camps around the corner, I don't know. Wouldn't you want a little direction? Like what the hell are we doing here guys? Like who's our quarterback? What's our plan this season? I, 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 the couple guys I've talked to, they're kind of getting to that point. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Like let's either, either tell, either trade them and let's go forward with Jordan love or have a plan one way or the other. I think the older guys are at the point to your point, like when camp starts, it's like, they want to win, right? Like They want to win and they want this result. And I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're telling Aaron like, Hey buddy, like you got to let them know. Like, really? Like if you're, if you ain't coming back at all, just, I guess, say, very bluntly and not coming back and, and they just move to Jordan love and, and get over with this idea of, Oh, maybe he's back. Maybe he's not. We can't do that. Or, you know, and I'm sure they're telling him like, Hey man, we need you this year. Like, like we need you to play for us. Can you, can you suck up your pride and come back and, and help us out? I, I'm with you. I think the older players are probably at that point of like, uh, like I, like I, I need, I need to know. I, I want to win this season. Totally. Totally. Hey, before we lose you too, we mentioned it uh, before we hit record, but I, I know you've been studying like Patrick Mahomes a little bit, obviously, you know, you know, him as well as anybody uh, on the dark side here in the media with, with your brother playing with him on the chiefs and everything. But you mentioned like, you see some areas where he could improve. Like what, what, what where's Patrick Mahomes at in his development? How, how much better could he even be from here? Um, so I, I, look, she's, Fans hate when I do this because I think I'm, I was defending my brother. But Mahomes is a uh, pocket presence at times is not ideal, right? And he'll he, and he'll admit that to you. There's nothing he won't say. His trainer and I had a discussion on Twitter about it. He drifts out the pocket way too much, and even the Super Bowl, even with the bad offensive line, he's doing it too much. He's drifting at the back of the pocket because he has such good arm talent that he can throw from all these platforms. The problem is though, is that your protection's gone. Like it's you're on your own. A lot of those hits, if you're 11, 12 yards deep, that's on you, quarterback. Like, you're getting unnecessary, unnecessarily hit. So, to me, what, what I saw with the, with the Chiefs offensive line, specifically who they brought in to rebuild, who they drafted to play offensive line, I think they're going to do essentially three or four things. One is they're going to run the ball more, which Andy Reid doesn't terribly like to do, but I think he sees a need and just maybe limiting hits on Pat Mahomes. And they're going to find ways to do with – GT counter, which they never have really run before, but you add in Creed from Oklahoma, you add in Orlando Brown, Joe Tooney's one of the best pullers in the NFL at guard. So GT counter, just some more downhill in your face runs. Again, not, not to be the basis of your offense, but I think to hit some play action passes off that too. I think play action pass under center again. They've gone away from that. It's a one or two reads. It's not because it's not he's one or two reads, but just it's simple plays for Mahomes, big chunk plays, you know, eight man protection. Just, just give it to the defense. Three is the quick passing game. That has disappeared from their offense. I think that's something that Andy Reid wants desperately back is get the ball out of his hands, force it out of his hands, and don't let him have to retreat out the pocket, right? Tell him, hey, Pat, take the seven yards, take the five yards, take the eight yards. Yeah, we'll have some home runs later, but take what the defense gives you. It was funny. I remember talking to my brother after the Texans game, the week one game. I was like, man, 
Y'all were just, he was, yeah, Pat taking what they give him. And he did. In that game, man, go back to week one. Off, fresh off of camp, like he was just dinking, dunking, dinking, dunking, dinking, dunking. And then number four, what they're going to do, I think, get back to is screens. Andy Reid's the best at, at designing screens. Him and Shanahan are, are, you know, but I play with Andy Reid, so I'll default to Andy Reid. If you noticed, the end, the last, the back half of last season, as their offensive line got beat up, they stopped running screens because he runs his screens are so detailed. Like I've never had a coach. He would stop practice and he wants the running back right here, the ball thrown over this shoulder. He wants the offensive line at this aiming point at this time. If you're positioned here, here, and here, and when you have backup offensive linemen, they're just not as good at that, right? So I think when he gets the full offensive line back, they'll go back to screen. So quick game screens. More play action pass, but from under center, I think a little bit more power run and just kind of get back to the basics. They're still going to have the, the shot plays. They're still going to have, you know, plays laterally, you know, kind of interchangeable part plays on, on offense. But I think just more ways to find offense without having Mahomes dropping really deep in the pocket. Man, that was a phenomenal breakdown. <laughs> Great stuff, Jeff. I mean, what do you think, Jim? I mean, this is a quarterback that, you know, we've talked a lot about. You You studied out of Texas tech. Um, do, do, do you agree, agree with that? Like where, where's he at? No, I think it's outstanding. Cause you know, we get our, you know, our, our listeners get a little upset, Jeff, cause we talk a lot about Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes, and here we are doing it again, but, <laughs> but, but there are, he does need, he can raise his game even more. And I agree with you, the timing stuff, it, it, that's, you know, I was fortunate to work with Andy Reid, and then I went to the saints and worked for Sean Payton, but I was there. We had Brian Westbrook, Deuce Staley, Krill. Our, our screen game was insane. And oh, you're, yeah. you're right. The Andy Reid detail stuff, I've never been around anything like it. I remember just starting out as an intern, as a young scout. I remember like calling my father, who's a longtime football coach, every day. I'm like, I've never heard. Every time somebody would catch a pass, a tight end, anybody, first thing Andy Reid always says, get up the field. Every oh, time. Yeah. Catch it and get up the field. He wants no. No waste of time. No waste of time. And he said it every day, every time. And I was like, I, I was losing my mind. I'm like, oh, I get it. That's when you do that, you're basically, you're going to get another five yards. You know, it might lead to more, but he couldn't stand like that. That's detail. That's what, it was just amazing. And part of that too is because, you know, the, the offensive line, the way we're setting up our blocks, if you drift at all, yeah. That's on you now. Like that's on the running oh. back. I mean, we have our, our, our aiming points. We're going to hit them. And wow. if you take that screen and you drift a little bit off Mark, that's on you now. And the design of the play is, is, is done. So yeah, it's Andy reads the best, man. I love, I love, um, I'm so glad he won his, his championship kind of solidified, uh, solidified him at, at, at where he should be. I saw a list the other day that had him like the sixth best coach in the NFL. I was like, that's mm -hmm. not, that's not true. Uh, that's out of control. Um, but also too, like his, the way he teaches, right. I mean, all these guys that, have, have become good coaches after, after being with him. It's incredible. Incredible. His, his, and he, his teams always look almost the same as far as he knows what he wants at every position. Oh yeah. Yeah. Every guy. I mean, I, I can, I can think of our teams with Philly and the teams with the chiefs and I see it, I see how he does it. And he is, um, He's really, you're right. If he's number six, that's a list you, nobody needs to look it's at. It's wild. He, he's so yeah. good. And um, I'm so glad he's got the wins. And it's going to be tough to go back to four AFC championship games, but I, I don't know if Pat Mahomes is standing upright. I don't know who's beating him. <laughs> that's what we all, that's what we always say. Yeah. So as long as he's healthy, he's ranked number one. It doesn't matter. You don't need to study anybody else. Nope. Nope.
Maybe it doesn't even matter. Look at that that Browns game that play he called up, you know, at the end there. I mean, that was that was vintage Andy Reid. Uh, well, man, I mean, dude, they run fourth and one, man. They're running Q eight. They're running sprint out to the right. They're doing it's the Dolphins. They're doing it every time they need a yard, and no one can stop it. Like, how do you? I mean, you can switch, I guess, but then if you but then if you switch, the the number one can just run kind of run a fade, and there's no one there. Like you, there's ways to just like kind of like you know, like run the, run the speed out and go. And it's like, there's no, it's just, it's impossible to stop. I, and, and teams know it's coming too, and they have nothing to do about it. He's going to have a, he's gonna have a cool wrinkle off it next year. Like a some sort of throwback to Kelsey. It's going to be wild. It's going to be great. I'm going to very much enjoy. I feel bad for the Browns, man. I like the Browns a lot this year, but they, but they got that brand new secondary and they got to go to Kansas city in week one. Oh, good luck. Yeah, but Jeff, hey, your... I know we were talking a little Sorry, bit about Jeff. over-unders. I, the, no, the Browns, that was my pick the other day when we were – that. the Browns, was, that was my – I took the over 10.5 wins for the Browns. I think they're loaded. I I think that's a loaded team. I, I, it's funny. I, a lot of the the win totals, the, the big ones, I like. I mean, Chiefs over, Ravens over, um, Bills over. I, I'm with you on, on the Browns over as well. Uh, my favorite, I think, so far total is the Steelers under 8.5 wins. Um Mike Tomlin has never had a season um, as bad as he's about to have. You can't convince me that Big Ben's going to be good all of a sudden. You, you just can't. Um, 100% agree with this. And if if he's not good, then you're not good. Like you, 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 the, you know the the idea of let's be let's let's run the ball better. O- okay, fine. Um, I'd argue that was a lot of scheme based issues last year. Too much gun. Too much inside zone. Um, I like what they did with it. You know, they added some good pieces in the draft, but still their offensive line, they returned, I think one returning starter. That's sort of Dotson, I think, who didn't play every game last season. I, I just, I, I can't buy an old big Ben just becoming something that he, he's not. No, we were talking about that with Doug Whaley a couple podcasts ago, right, Jim? Like what's the vision here? You're all of a sudden just going to pound away with Najee Harris and, but Ben Roethlisberger is probably going to be calling the plays too and wanting to throw it all over the place. I... Yeah, but Matt Canada and him do not align very well, I think. Like what Matt Canada wants to do and what Ben wants to do don't align at all. Um, and look, the Browns are better in that division. The Ravens are the Ravens' offense is so hard to stop in the regular season. They're going to be good again. Um, and and look, the, the Bengals will be better. I, I don't know how good they're going to be. They'll be better. Um, and so, yeah, it's going to be a uh, – it's gonna be a tough division. Hey Jeff, where uh, where's your brother gonna play this year? Um, yeah, that's uh, it's, it's what it's gonna be. It's come out July first. I don't know. I mean, I well, he's not signed anywhere yet, so we'll see. I don't know if you've seen <laughs> pictures of him lately, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, there's I, I saw he saw Ryan Ramchek's deal, so maybe he wants. Yeah, maybe he wants back back in. Uh, I, I don't. I don't. Know. I think he's still trying to figure out what he wants to do with his back injury and, and the rehab with that. Um, you know, once you, once you kind of, as an offensive lineman, once you kind of go down the path of, of being injured, um, it's sometimes hard to, to get the motivation, um, you know, to, to continue to go. It's just, it's hard on your body, man. This is, and he's played, but I played eight seasons. He's, this is, he just finished his ninth. He's played four times as many snaps as I have, because he was never hurt for wow. six. You know, he didn't play, you know, he had 8,000 snaps in a row, not including the postseason. Like he just, He's played a lot of football. Um, yeah, like I, st- I think I started 39 games. I count one other as, as a 40. 
Um, he's he like started like 135, 140 games. Like it's a lot of wear and tear on your body, man. It's crazy. Man, that I, I didn't th- think of it like that. That's so. And you had the hip. You had you had all kinds of I had, stuff. I, I, I had six surgeries in the NFL. Um, I mean, I was thinking the other guy was like Andrew Whitworth is, has played. He started two hundred twenty games. Like that's remarkable, man. Yeah. At that position to start that many games, like it's unbelievable to play that long at that position. I mean, Mitch, like I said for how many starts does he have? He has to have like hundred, yeah, hundred and thirty four starts. I think not. That does not include, I think, the postseason. Like he started, you know, for three years in the postseason. It's crazy. It's unbelievable. Jeff, Jeff, how many, how many years? You know, I guess that's you probably go through it. But what injury was it that really, um, when you knew this is going to be tough? Like, because you were, I mean, you were ascending. You, you should have had, you could have had a long career if you stayed healthy. Do you agree? Yes, thank you. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I got, I played really well in 2013 with the Chiefs. Yeah. Giants signed me to Giants signed me. And then I, I, I hurt my toe and I was out for for three months. I came back, played the Odell game. Um, and next week I broke my leg. I pressure pressure my ankle against Jacksonville. I came back in 2015. The Giants and I we disagreed on kind of the timetable for training camp, whatever. I was able to play week one. I had some issues and with some nerve issues in my foot during the season. I played really bad for three games. Uh, I got my nerve. I couldn't feel my foot. Like my foot just went dead. I had a nerve thing. Gave me a shot. Did much better. I was playing pretty well. Then got hurt again. I did the same as that. You know, broke my leg again. And then, you know, that's not my third ankle surgery in a year. Cause I had a surgery in between to remove some hardware. And I just, it just never came back. Like it never, you know, it just, it never became what it was. Um, I went to Detroit that year and I mean, my goal that year was just to like make the team. Like, I don't think I had a goal of playing. Like I was on that veteran, like guaranteed salary, right? Make the team, uh, get my salary guaranteed for the season. If I played, I played, I mean, I was going to, I was going to play. I was ready to play, but I really had no business. What I should have done is taken that injury settlement, uh, for a million one. And that would have made, that was more than my salary that year for, for the Lions. I was an idiot, but a lot of us, you know, I just, I didn't want to end my career on a cart. I just, I, di- I didn't want to do it. And my agent's like, look, you take the million one, it's tax-free. Like, go ahead and take the century settlement. Um, and I just didn't do it. I was an idiot, but I just, I, I feel fine with the decision. I, I wanted to to try again. Um, I just didn't have it. I didn't have it in me. I couldn't practice very much because my ankle just never rebounded, never came back quite the same. Um, I feel like if I had um yeah, yeah. Even if I say the Giants that year, I probably don't make the team. I just wasn't in a good place. My body just was kind of done, and it happens. Oh. I mean, so, you get that family time in. Hey, now here's too, a question right? ahead. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, my wife was ready for me to be done. I mean, I travel. I've been on so many yeah. teams and whatnot. That last year was my last year, anyways. Um, you know, we had my family a little bit later in my career. It would have been nice if they could have seen me play, but I mean, it, it was. It's look. I have no regrets. Um, I don't miss very much of it. I mean, the thing I think I miss really any, the only thing I miss is the, you know, the feeling of winning when you, when you walk in that locker room after a game and like that 10 to 15 minutes of just like happiness, you're just sitting in your locker, you're just like, Oh, we won the game. You know, the owner comes by, gives you a high five. The coaches are happy. It's kind of that, that period before everyone kind of just changes, right? Everyone's just like so excited. The media is nice to you. It's good attitude. And then like, it's just, a, you don't get that feeling much in life um except sometimes when i when i when i have a good peloton ride i feel that way like i'm like oh man 
big winner, Jeff Schwartz here. But I, that's all I miss, man. I, I have enough camaraderie in my life. I talked to a lot of my former teammates. Um, you know, Duke Manyweather, my, my guy is having this O-line masterminds event in a couple of weekends. A bunch of us are going to be down in Dallas and, and whatnot. So I keep in contact with a lot of the offensive linemen and I, I keep busy with work and with family life. So I don't, I don't, I don't miss it. I don't keep a lot of memorabilia in my house. Like the stuff behind me is just there for this, basically. Like I it was a blank screen. My wife put the stuff up here for me. Like I don't have jerseys hanging in the house. Like I love playing, I love football, but like it was it was done. It was okay. I love it. Sorry to cut you off there, Jim. You got something before we uh, close it up? Jeff, no, no, you're good. But I was dying as a, you know, being in the front office side of it and the draft side of it. When you were drafted in the seventh round, were you celebrating? Were you partying <laughs> that night? Or, or did you want to get drafted higher? Were you upset? Um, and did you not want to get drafted and, and just be undrafted and pick your team? Great question. So 2008 draft, if you recall – that year, there were ten tackles taken in the first two rounds. Okay, it was like it was like Jake Long, Sam Baker, Jeff yeah. Ota, Gosser Churlis. Um, it was like this this entire this like this all these guys. Um, um, Ryan Clady, I think, was that year. Just ten in the first two rounds. So I I was never under the impression that I was going early in the draft, but I figured I was anywhere from eleventh to fifteenth best tackle. So I'm on the West Coast, and I, you know, and my agent was my agent was like, you're on round four to six. So the, the back then it was two rounds Saturday, five rounds Sunday. And I tell you, don't watch the draft, don't watch the draft. And I did day one, I didn't watch the draft. I was at my buddy's baseball game. Well, day two, I'm like, oh man, I'm like going the third round now, I'm like going the fourth round now. So I wake up at six a.m. on the West Coast. Third round goes by, nothing. Fourth round goes by. Fifth round, I start getting calls from teams, um, and I think it was more of calls like you guys think you're slick, but I know what you guys are doing. You're trying to get me to come as undrafted free agent by saying like, Hey man, we like you. Look, we called you the fifth mm-hmm. round. We, we thought yep. we were going to draft you. It just didn't happen. Yep. Right. So yep. it was like, so then I like went outside and shot some hoops <clears> and like, <throat> it just was, it was bad. So and we had a party that scheduled for like afterwards at this local Mexican place up the street, El, El Torito. And um, so by the end of the draft, I'm like over it. My agent calls me, and I think I had a deal with the Giants in place to go be a, an undrafted free agent with the Giants. And then the Panthers called me. It was Brandon Bean back when he wasn't he wasn't uh, you know he was like the the you know, the low totem pole there. He was calling draft picks, and he called me and he said, um, "How do you feel about getting drafted?" And my exact words were, "At this point, I don't even care." <laughs> and he said, "Well, welcome to the Carolina Panthers." And of course, I was pumped. It was fantastic, and everyone just yeah. everyone. Ba- Basically, like showed up to the party anyway. Like, just everyone, like everyone, just showed me. It was fun. Like, mm-hmm. and the exact opposite was my brother, who, you know, we we figured Mitch was going, um, you know, in the second round somewhere, probably in the bottom half of the second round. And so we kind of had a setup to where I think it was, yeah, it was day one, one round, and then the two rounds, and then the last four <clears> rounds. <throat> so we just by day two, he was going to be done. We, we knew that. And we had dinner scheduled that night for like later in the night and, and one on the next day was going to be more of like a celebration. So, you know, we sit down for, for day two of the draft. And then, then all of a sudden, um, you know, all of a sudden uh, the phone rings like from Cleveland and it was like pick 36. And we're like, what, what, uh, what's happening. And so they draft my brother, they then go to commercial break. So they can't even announce it. And like, that was it. Like I think it was pick 38 or 37, somewhere around there. And we were like, 
all right, well, uh, I guess we'll go to dinner now. Like I was like, all right, well, this is done. I mean, it was like, it was like the oddest thing ever. So we just like went to dinner early and enjoyed dinner. And then the next day had like his little draft party. It was the oddest thing ever. Like it was, when it was done, it was like, all right, well, cause we didn't plan on like having a big thing. No one was over the house. It was no celebration. It was just like, Oh, cool. The Browns drafted you. All right. Well, I don't care about the draft anymore. Let's, let's go eat somewhere. It was pretty funny. <laughs> That's amazing. And talk about, I mean, to spend four years in Cleveland and five years in Kansas city. What a, what a culture shock for your brother to go from, from that to that. Well, I mean, you know, it was, you know, in, in Cleveland, he had, I think three O line coaches, three O season, four years. You know, he was subject to trade rumors his second season. I don't know if you remember that. Like the, the, he was, they were talking about trading him after his, in his middle second season. He really enjoyed Joe Thomas and John Greco and Alex Mack. They were very close and it was very great for his development to have those guys in his life. But you go to Kansas City and I mean you win a Super Bowl. He was a four-time All Pro there. Playoff run that year was incredible. I think he PFF had him for one pressure in the entire playoffs in three games. Um, and yeah, you go from a, a losing culture to a winning culture. It's a big difference, and you just it makes you happier, man. Look, the NFL is a hard business, and the only thing that makes it fun is winning. Like that, it's just it, it's it's a grind, dude. And the thing about the winning too, it's not just the players that feel that way. Like you feel it in the whole building, right? The marketing department, the accounting department, the PR people, because their job's easier if you win, right? It's easy to sell a winning team. It's easier to, to sell advertising for a winning team or marketing opportunities for a winning team or public relations for a winning team. So everyone in the whole locker room, like the whole building, right? Anyone you see throughout the day is, you know, the, the, the food service staff, right? The janitors, like they're just, they're pumped. They're Giants fans or Chiefs fans are excited to, for a win everyone's happy and so like that's that's and it's it's hard like, to play on a team that sucks i've been on a two and four, 14 team before it's not fun i mean we made it fun and we, we played the best we could but you know you, you don't look you you really don't look forward to going into work and stuff man no uh, we used to you know we used to say jeff there was two motions in football uh when you win it's relief and when you lose oh. it's disgust it's like relief and disgust is all you uh, really and feel. And then when you win too, like they grade you a little bit better on the film and oh, yeah. the coach doesn't give you as much shit. I had a coach one time who I thought I graded better than I should have. And he graded me worse than I should have been grading in a game. I went up to him one time. I was like, hey, coach. I was like, my grade is it's pretty low for how I played. He goes, yeah, I have to give you some more minuses because I couldn't turn in a, a high score during a loss. A loss. And I was like, I was like, but that's important. Like this is like y'all graded me. Like you give them the grades to like the scouting department. If you give me a shitty grade and I actually played well, that's not that doesn't work that way. What the fuck was that about? Like so, that's my it's kind of my awakening. Like oh, this is this is like business for everybody, man. So who was this coach, Jeff? We can put him on blast. Uh, I'm not going to do that, but um, it was uh, it was um, it was quite surprising to me. It was a it was good it was a good learning opportunity. Oh, well, now you're here on the dark side with us and we love having you in the media, Jeff, because you're unique and, you know, you're, you're giving readers and fans and viewers just a, a look at the game. They're not going to get anywhere else. So it's awesome. And we can't thank you enough for chopping it up with us uh, here on the podcast, man. So thanks for hanging out. I, I'm glad you guys had me on. It was a lot, it was a lot of fun to talk football for a little bit, man. It's been a while since I really had like a football I guess my own podcast, I should take that back. I do talk football on my own podcast. Um, 
but like it's been a while since I've been on someone else's show <laughs> talking football. So I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, go check out my podcast and uh, really enjoy the work you guys do. Thank you. The Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you podcast. Yes. Apple, Spotify, everywhere, anywhere and everywhere, everywhere around. Yes, please give it. A and listen. on Twitter, what's your handle on Twitter? At, just at Jeff Schwartz. Very simple. Jeff with a G. Same with Instagram. Same with who use I don't use Facebook anymore. I don't, it's on. Yeah, not really. I have an athlete page. I don't know. But yeah, Instagram uh, and Twitter. Uh, I have a SchwartzNFL.com too. I don't know if you want to go to my website. There's not, it's just an aggregate of everything that I do. So you can find all that on Twitter and stuff. Awesome. Well, man, th- thanks so much for hanging out. That was phenomenal. Really appreciate you, Jeff. All right, guys. Take care. See you, man. Yeah.